Hey folks, welcome to this week's Stacker Chat, your weekly update on all things Stacks. My name is Gina Abrams, and I'm joined by Muni Bali, founder of Stacks. Stacks is smart contracts for Bitcoin, and Stacks mainnet launched earlier this year. Thanks for being here, Muneeb. To start with our question of the day, um, how do you like to get into the work zone? Is there sort of an ideal setup that that you like to get started? Yeah, so I, I uh, had this habit of actually listening to the same song on repeat uh, to the extent that I think uh, you'd be surprised that I can actually listen to the same song over months. Like it's literally like, I, I remember like when I, did, I was doing my PhD thesis, like I can actually associate the time of the pieces with a song. It's usually like house music, something, something that you can just like get into a flow state of. Uh, so that's 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 like one one method that I've been using. Awesome. Any songs that you uh, you give a shout out to? Uh, yeah, I think uh, the interestingly the song uh, that I was listening to during my thesis work. Uh, it's called the Longest Road. Uh, it's a particular mm-hmm. remix that I was listening to, and maybe maybe you uh, can post that in the show notes. <laughs> awesome, cool. Um, so it's been a pretty eventful week for Stacks. Um, can you talk to some of the recent traction in in the ecosystem that you've been seeing? Yeah, I think I think it's uh, some of the recent traction have been really amazing to see. And the the thing that really stands out to me is how organic it is. Like uh, just to give people an idea. Uh, there is an independent kind of like Stacks accelerator that Trevor and some of the other people started. Uh, and there were some like 25 startups that came out of it. Right? And right now there's enough kind of like growth and traction that the network is running at capacity. Uh, I think we have addressed scalability stuff earlier as well, where we think we can do like about 10x or maybe more with some of the cost functions. But the network is pretty much like you know, running at capacity and there's a fee market emerging. Interestingly, I don't think that any of the Stacks accelerator companies have even launched yet. So all of the traffic that you're seeing, it is actually organic, uh, independent developers, people working over nights and weekends who have built interesting things. And um, recently, you know, we saw so many NFT launches happening, but there is a lot more in the pipeline. Like I think almost every other day, I'm discovering some new project, some new developer, some new community member. Uh, was excited about it, and this is this actually relates to uh, something that I, that I believe in, is that if you are going for organic traction, the growth chart actually looks a little bit, a little bit like the inverse of the hyped up marketing launches, right? Because if you're if you're doing something that is hyped up, you might be able to kind of like pay for marketing, you might be able to uh, gain almost like you know artificial attention in the beginning. So your curve might look like this in the beginning, and then it will temper off. But if something is truly organic and people are coming and building because they want to, not because you're paying them to do it, not because you know, you're you're running some sort of a marketing machine behind it, but people are just like genuinely intellectually curious and they believe in what you believe. Then it, the word spreads a little bit slower in the beginning. But those people are 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 a diehard part of the community, and they keep growing, and then that's, I think it's more sustainable growth. So I feel like something like that is happening in the last two three weeks, where different things are coming together, and I think uh, I'm mostly disconnected from the trading markets. Like I, you know, I, I I hold all my stacks. I, I I have not sold like even even a single stack, and 
but I sometimes obviously if there's a lot of trading activity, I get alerts and people are pinging me. Uh, mostly to ask me, uh, do you know what's going on? And my answer is like, I actually have no idea of what's going on or why are people, uh, why are the trading markets uh, responding the way that they are? But interestingly, uh, if you can look at the Korean market, uh, I think I visited Korea in 2019 once and I could feel that there is an organic community there. And those people are very interested. Stacks is the number one most traded asset, at least like over the last weekend in Korea, with something like seven hundred twenty million dollars of trading, and uh, there was more than more than like a billion and one dollars uh, in trading over over the weekend uh, for Stacks. And what's what's I think what's impressive about this is not the fact that the numbers are large. What's impressive is it's it's, it's organic. These exchanges are deciding themselves that they want to list the asset. There isn't like you know some sort of a centralized company that that has paid a bunch of people to come and do this. Like none of that is happening. Like people are, it's an organic decentralized ecosystem, and people are just interested in it. And I think that that's the thing that I am personally uh, really really excited about. And I think something about the the mission of Stacks, something about the story of Stacks, that hey, we want to unlock the true potential of Bitcoin. We want to bring, uh, you know, new types of applications and grow the Bitcoin economy, and and a little bit like even having a community because there are so many Bitcoiners who are, you know, they got into Bitcoin because Bitcoin was the new, interesting, intellectually stimulating thing, right? And I feel like uh, over the years, somehow Bitcoin has become kind of like this grumpy old community that is just shooting down ideas and yelling at people. Uh, for doing interesting things. And I think what people see in the Stacks community is a bunch of friendly people who are enthusiastic, who are down to earth, who are welcoming to developers, uh, where new ideas are welcome. And almost like people can start building in the Bitcoin ecosystem again, and they have found a home, almost like a new home within within the broader Bitcoin ecosystem. And I think that that is something that uh, is, is also, also uh, clicking and is growing, and I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Absolutely. And I think that with um, sort of the, the recent traction that we're also seeing a lot of folks that are newly entering the ecosystem. Um, and so there's a bunch of resources out there, but we still get this question. Um, could you do the explain it like a five, uh, Eli five version for stacks? Yes. So I think um, I, I'll, I'll try. Like, I think it's not, it's not easy because it is a little bit more complicated, but let me have a try. Uh, so think of it this way that um, Bitcoin is uh, money for the internet. Right? That's what the Bitcoin blockchain is designed to do. And then we saw Ethereum, which basically makes programmable smart contracts available, right? So people can write new types of computer programs uh, and publish them. And that's what that blockchain is, is supposed to do. And what Stacks has really done is it is bringing that aspects of smart contracts to the Bitcoin ecosystem so that you have you have the, the money layer that is Bitcoin, but now Bitcoin also becomes programmable and developers can basically uh, build and publish smart contracts. That's that's the high level. Uh, so in, in, interestingly, like if you're excited about Bitcoin as like a store of value, or if you're excited about Ethereum because of all the, you know, amazing applications developers are building, like decentralized, finance or NFTs and so on, Stacks is kind of like the best of both worlds, right? It brings those types of use cases and applications to the sovereign money layer of Bitcoin. 
Awesome. Thank you. Um, and we're going to definitely put resources down below, but let us know if there are any questions that, that pop up in the comments and we'll be sure to answer them. Um, and so sort of building off of this uh, Eli 5 explanation, um, we're going to summarize some of the, the other things that are unique to the ecosystem. Um, so one thing in particular, obviously the Stacks Bitcoin connection, it can be a little bit hard to grok um, given it's so different from other models out there. So can you summarize how is Stacks good for Bitcoin? Yes. So let me um, let me separate two things, right? So first is, you know, how is Stacks good for Bitcoin? And the other is the actual technical connection that Stacks has with, with Bitcoin. Right? So let, let me start at the high level first. So I think Stacks is good for Bitcoin because a Bitcoin, in my view, and I'm a, I, I'm a Bitcoiner first, right? Like people should remember that, that I've been building things on Bitcoin even before before this this particular Stacks 2.0 blockchain, right? Like, so I, I, I'm a Bitcoiner first and the Stacks project in many ways that came after. And so the way to think about this is that Bitcoin is a is an amazing decentralized money there. It's just like self-sovereign money. And that idea is, is completely going to change society and I'm a firm believer in that. But if you look at you know, what people can do with Bitcoin, Bitcoin mostly gets traded on centralized exchanges. Uh, Bitcoin doesn't have decentralized infrastructure about it, right? And I think it's okay to admit, like I, I know there is a almost like a rivalry between some of the Bitcoin people and Ethereum fans, but I think it's okay to admit that as, as of today, uh, the Ethereum people actually have better options, better decentralized infrastructure available to them. If I, if I hold ETH in my wallet and I don't want to go through KYC, I don't want to trust any centralized company, and I just want to make a trade from ETH to a stablecoin like USDC, I can just do that on Bitcoin. Uh, you actually can't do that on Bitcoin, really. Right? I think there are Bitcoin derivatives like Rock Bitcoin and things like that, but you can't do that, which I think is a shame, right? Like Bitcoin being the the first cryptocurrency, the the, the number one asset, the, the most decentralized blockchain out there. It should be welcoming to decentralized infrastructure because that's how Bitcoin becomes more productive. Like think of it this way: like one percent of Bitcoin is issued as wrapped Bitcoin or Ethereum. That that is not really Bitcoin, like in the, in the in the view of a lot of Bitcoiners, but that Bitcoin is productive. Like people are actually using it for collateral. People are using it in decentralized applications. People are basically uh, using it in lending and all sorts of things. Why can't we have that functionality directly around Bitcoin and make the ninety nine percent of the remaining Bitcoin productive as well? Right. So I think I think that's a that's a major unlock. For, for the value of Bitcoin, for what you could do with Bitcoin. And once, I think even the, I call them Bitcoin purists, like even when they when when they truly kind of like, you know, are able to connect the dots and realize that the work that, that we're doing actually makes Bitcoin a lot more valuable because you're making Bitcoin a productive asset. So we're actually growing wealth around the Bitcoin ecosystem and we're growing the Bitcoin economy. And I think they, that, that's a point that they don't fully understand. And part of that growing of that economy is not just you know financial applications, but all sorts of other things, like things like NFTs, things like you know a future Web3 or decentralized applications. Like why can't Bitcoin be the foundational layer of, of all these new technologies? And more importantly, 
why can't you use just Bitcoin in 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 as a, as a metaverse money, right? Like for example, if I want to buy NFTs, if I can't buy them with Bitcoin, if I want to uh, participate in some sort of a game, like online game, why can't Bitcoin be the currency inside that game, right? So so those are the type of use cases that we want to enable. So that's the that's the high right? Like why why is kind of like SACS good for Bitcoin? The reason is that we want to grow the Bitcoin economy, and there are tons of use cases, and these are not hypothetical use cases. These are use cases that have actually been proven out in the rest of the crypto industry already. And this has been a thesis in the Bitcoin community for the longest time, right? You might might have heard this. Uh, I think Jude even jokes about it, calls it the Muneeb's law, that uh, any successful experiment in crypto would eventually get implemented on Bitcoin. But it's actually not Muneeb's law. Like I've actually seen uh, you know, really OG Bitcoiners like Rensis uh, and others talk about it, even from the early days, even back in like 2013 and so on. We are just making that possible today where literally like good ideas uh, that have shown traction in the rest of the, the crypto industry, there are startups now in, in the Stacks ecosystem that are literally expanding those ideas, bringing those things to Bitcoin. It's very real, like it's happening. And I think that's a, that's a, that's a very, very exciting time. So that was, that was kind of like the, the high level of it, like why is Stacks good for Bitcoin? Then the next question is at a technical level, like what is the connection between Stacks and Bitcoin? How is kind of like stacks? How does stacks benefit from the security of Bitcoin? Because I think people people get stuck on like these nuanced points a lot of a lot of times, and there, there's like a lot of confusion about it. So, first of all, I think people need to even understand why stacks is designed the way it's designed, right? I think there are two kind of like main main important things to understand. The first is uh, the smart contract language part, right? So everyone kind of like, you know, especially in the Bitcoin community understands that the Bitcoin has a limited scripting language. It's called Bitcoin script. And it, you can't really do much with it. And it's by design, right? It's for security reasons. Bitcoin script is a very limited type of a programming language. Okay, fair. So anything you build as a layer two, like a lightning network, is by definition limited by Bitcoin script, because Lightning is completely contained within Bitcoin script. That means that the type of functionality you can have with Lightning-like solutions would always be contained within Bitcoin script, like what you can do with Bitcoin script. And that's a very, very important point to understand, which means that if you look at fully expressive smart contracts, uh, things that people are used to, like Solidity on, on Ethereum or you know, Rust-like uh, languages on Solana and, and these other L1 blockchains. Like when, when people think of smart contracts, they actually think of uh, live deployments of smart contracts with global state that I can just send a transaction and I can interact, interact with those things. So once you, once you come back to Bitcoin and you look at you know, uh, L2s on Bitcoin or, or Bitcoin's... Uh, programming language, Bitcoin script, you'll realize that any type of smart contract functionality that you might want to build just with pure Bitcoin script is going to end up being extremely limited, right? Almost by definition. Uh, you know, these would be things like DLCs, 
or this project called RGB that, that's coming from, from the Lightning ecosystem. By the way, I support these efforts. I think they're great. They should exist. People should do more work on them. But people should also understand what you can and cannot do with these solutions, right? So these are mostly off-chain contracts. You, uh, you basically need to coordinate with somebody. Like if I want to make a transaction with somebody, I need to co coordinate with that person offline. I need to sign like, you know, I don't know, like a hundred transactions and then broadcast them on, on the network. Maybe Taproot would help reduce some of, some of the uh, data that is broadcasted on Bitcoin. But these are like, relatively speaking, very clunky, extreme overhead uh, type of solutions. And there's a reason that you are, you're not seeing a ton of them deployed in, in, in production and in the real world, right? Whereas if you look at smart contract languages on things like Solana, uh, Avalanche, uh, Ethereum, like they are what I call fully expressive systems where I want to make a trade, I send a single transaction and I can do that on Uniswap and I can, I can trade an instant. So we want to bring that type of fully expressive contracts to Bitcoin, which by definition means we have to break free of Bitcoin's script, right? That is why Stacks is not a pure L2, right? The reason that you know we have designed stacks not as a pure L2 is not because you know uh, there are some some weird weird things going on here. It's almost by definition that you have to break free of the Bitcoin script to be able to bring full fully expressive smart contracts uh, to to the Bitcoin ecosystem. So that's point number one, right? So now uh, we know why stacks is not a pure L2. Uh, it's a, it's a different type of a layer. So then the next thing becomes okay. Uh, so we're not not a pure L2. How can we benefit? So if you were a pure L2, that would mean that you know this in terms of security, you do get this benefit that you are actually getting secured by the security of Bitcoin itself, like like how Lightning is, right? which I agree is a, is a great property to have. Uh, but we can't do that because of what we discussed. So then the next thing becomes, what's the closest thing that you could do where you can benefit as much from the security of Bitcoin as possible? And I think that's where we came up with the POX consensus algorithm, which is the first cross-chain type of a consensus algorithm. And what it does is effectively uh, leader election is happening on the Bitcoin side. So think of Bitcoin as a source of truth. If there's any conflict, Bitcoin resolves the conflict. Right? If somebody says like, hey, this thing happened or this thing doesn't happen, Bitcoin is a source of truth over there. Bitcoin, uh, so leaders are getting elected on Bitcoin. And then uh, Stacks has its own kind of like, you know, uh, blockchain and for, uh, blockchain layer and kind of like fork history. But the history of all forks, like all possible kind of like permutations or forks that might happen on the, on the stack side are secured by the Bitcoin chain. Meaning that if somebody wants to come in and basically change the history of Stacks, meaning change all forks of, of Stacks, they would have to reorg Bitcoin which is a very nice property to have because in, in, in a normal functioning of a blockchain, let's say, you know, you purchase an NFT and now it, it is on, usually there's basically one fork, right? But there might've been a time where maybe there were two forks and then one of them disappeared and people know what the longest fork is. So if somebody wants to somehow take away that NFT, practically speaking, they would have to go and reorg Bitcoin right? because they will have to change the history of all forks uh, of Bitcoin. Uh, that, that is a great property to have. But then there it's nuanced, right? So then somebody would say, well, you could not attack Bitcoin, 
but then try to attack just stacks because now it's a problem of fork selection. So you're saying that, you know, instead of let's call the first fork fork one, there's fork two, you want to basically attack and say fork two is the correct way, right? First of all, it's a more limited type of an attack, right? You're, because things that are far off in history, the probability that you could go and change that is much, much, much harder, right? So someone is basically now trying to select a different fork. Interestingly, the way Stacks is designed, any attack would have to be made public on Bitcoin first, right? So it's it's actually like a first a consensus algorithm where attackers can't build a longer chain privately, like which they even can on Bitcoin, right? So the way Stacks is designed, an attacker would basically have to announce their attack. So everybody gets a warning that someone is trying to basically attack the network. Uh, and it's very easy for miners because because miners are not spending electricity or compute power, they're actually spending Bitcoin. It's very easy for the miners to actually bump up their 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 uh, bidding uh, as a response to an attack. And attacks are by definition slowed down on on the stack side. So I, I don't want to get into too much details there, but the takeaway should be yes, a pure L2 would have been great from a security perspective. It would have been horrible for get, getting a fully expressive smart contract. So we made the, the trade-off to give you fully expressive smart contracts and then made the best possible design that you can on the security side, right? Interestingly, you know, and, and we, are, we, are, we, we plan to make more progress towards it, like if Bitcoin evolves, just like, you know, Bitcoin is now going to have taproot, if Bitcoin basically has like some features, like for example, Merkle proof checking, that would make stack security uh, even better, right? So those are things maybe we can discuss at some other time. But that's that's like uh, that's like kind of like a like a framework to have. Like how does stacks benefit uh, from from the security of Bitcoin? Awesome, thank you. I answered two questions in one there. Um, so Coinbase Custody actually recently announced that they support Stacks the asset and also native stacking. Um, so with announcements like this one and more, uh, Stacks keeps getting more exposure and will continue to do so. And I'm curious, like, uh, what are some of your takeaways from conversations uh, sort of among crypto Twitter um, and have they impacted any of your thinking, inspiration, anything along those lines? Yeah, I think I think that was that was great to see that uh, Coinbase Prime. Uh, I think they they basically created like some sort of a new division. Uh, my understanding is what used to be Coinbase Custody is now Coinbase Prime. And uh, Stacks recently, I think a month ago or so, they announced that uh, Stacks is supported on Coinbase Custody. Now they're coming up with saying that hey, stacking is also uh, supported, so people can earn Bitcoin. Obviously. I'm excited about more access to institutions and companies and, and more and more people in general. And I just welcome you know any exchange, any any custody provider to come in and and and, and integrate this open network. Again, I would like to highlight that something that is very different here is that there isn't a secret like centralized company that is going around and making business deals and making these things happen. It's truly much more organic. Than, than than you would than you would realize, right? So we get these questions all the time. When is Saks getting listed on this exchange or that exchange or, or this partnership? Like Hero is a developer tooling company, right? You know, we basically work on open source developer tools. This is really a decentralized ecosystem, and there are many independent players. So 
the community members should basically, if you think that Stack should get integrated with an exchange or you know some other provider, like this is your project. You should act as owners and and do what you can to to make that happen if you think that's valuable for the ecosystem. You don't need to wait for anybody. There's no no company to look up to that this company is going to go and basically do something for me. So I think that's a that's a very big takeaway. The second thing about you know the interesting thing about stacking um, Coinbase uh, Prime now is it's the only asset where you're locking up kind of like one asset stacks here and you're earning Bitcoin, right? So you're getting getting like a pure Bitcoin rewards uh, from the protocol. Interestingly, these are pure Bitcoin transactions, which brings me back to what we were discussing about how 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 does the security work between stacks and Bitcoin? For a lot of the applications you would just be doing pure Bitcoin transactions, right? So where, let's say it's a lending application where you're just doing a Bitcoin transaction to lend Bitcoin out. You're getting interest back as, as BTC payments. You're getting your money back as, as, as BTC payments as well. And maybe there's a collateral that lives on a smart contract. So when you look at the security of that application, most of the application is literally just running on Bitcoin and is backed 100% by the security of Bitcoin. And then there are certain parts of the application, in this case, the collateral that is that is living as a smart contract, uh, where it is dependent on the stack side that itself benefits from the security of Bitcoin, but not 100%. Right? I think that's that's the way to look at it. So it's, it's, and I think these hybrid applications, in my mind, would become more and more common, where people are basically interacting with, with Stacks contracts or Stacks applications just by doing Bitcoin transactions because there's a lot of tooling coming up. Uh, you might be able to buy NFTs just by doing Bitcoin transactions. At that, at that time, I think it becomes truly like a native Bitcoin experience where Bitcoiners would just do Bitcoin transactions to engage with these applications. And I think, I think that, that's something that I'm, I'm really looking forward to. Oh, great. Um, thank you so much for doing this weekly update. And thank you to everyone for subscribing to the Hero YouTube channel. If you haven't yet, um, definitely make sure that you uh, do subscribe so you continue to stay updated on all things stacks. All right. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much.